that you gathered up your family, you went to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. The Passover was instituted in the month of, for the month of Nisan, and it was to be celebrated on the 15th day of the month. And a couple of days before that, <clears throat> it was time to prepare. Now, the first part of the preparation involved <clears throat> acquiring that spotless lamb, taking it to the temple, and presenting it to the priest in the temple, who would certify that it was spotless and could be the sacrifice for your family, or your family gathering if you were single, <clears throat> for the Passover. Usually they started doing this about the 12th or the 13th of Nisan. Then, <clears throat> the evening of the 14th, the day of preparation, the lamb would be slain, it would be cleaned, the food would be prepared. The family would gather, they would close the door, and all would stay in the house during the evening and the next day of the Passover. So nobody went out that night. So every year, Jesus, because he said, I came to fulfill the law, <clears throat> took his disciples to Jerusalem in the month of Nisan in order to celebrate the Passover. Now John tells us, <clears throat> In John chapter 19, verse 31, <clears throat> that it is not yet the time of preparation. So every year, uh, they didn't live in Jerusalem. They hung out mostly in Capernaum. So they're coming into town. They're stopping at Bethany, <clears throat> as Obed shared. Uh, they're at the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. <clears throat> they're hanging out there the day before. Mary has anointed Jesus. The next day, the guys are looking at their watches. Well, it's almost the 15th. Lord, where will we celebrate the Passover this year? And so in Mark chapter 14, on verse 12, it begins like this. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He'll show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. These guys had been with Jesus long enough not to ask questions about something out of the ordinary that he asked them to do. When they were confronted with the need to pay taxes <clears throat> to enter the city of Capernaum one time, they had no money available. And Jesus told Peter, well, go down to the, go down to the sea Throw your net into the ocean. You'll draw out a fish, reach into the fish, pull out a denarii and pay our tax. Okay, Lord. And he went and did it. And lo and behold, the fish he caught had the denarii in it. And they paid the tax and went into the city. 
So they'd already learned no matter what Jesus said to do, they would do it without question. And so two disciples, you can picture this, can't you? Go into Jerusalem and they're walking around. And maybe most of the people that are carrying water jugs are carrying them like this. Or if it's a woman, maybe it's on her head. And it would be unusual perhaps to find a man with a water jug on his head. And lo and behold, there he is, Peter. Okay. And they go over to him. And they ask him the question that Jesus told them to ask. <clears throat> you know, say to him, where is my guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. And they went up and asked him. And he said, follow me. And they followed him. He showed them where the guest room was. Maybe one of the disciples stayed there and started to clean it up a little bit. And the other went back and got Jesus in the band and brought them to the upper room. Now, they have not yet, because it is not the day, it is not the time, to lock themselves in the room and celebrate the Passover. Because the rules of the Passover, one more time, <clears throat> where you, slayed, you presented the lamb, you slayed the lamb, you stayed in the house all overnight. I cannot imagine that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the keepers of the law, would violate the Passover and try Jesus on the night of the Passover. They're going to get that out of the way before it's Passover time. Before we have to celebrate. I know I'm getting a little ahead of the story and we'll pick it up there next week. But this is just a reminder that they're going to keep the law. And Jesus is going to keep the law. So this is not the day of Passover. It's preparation time, getting the room ready. It was required that there be no leaven in the room. They had to sweep the room clean, make sure there was no yeast there because that would <clears throat> violate one of the rules of the Passover about having leaven because it's the feast of unleavened bread. So <clears throat> the preparations are being made. Um, it says in verse 16, the disciples left, went into the city, found things just as Jesus had told them, and they prepared for the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. <clears throat> He'd been ministering in the city, obviously. Now it's time to have dinner. And they get there to have dinner. Regular old dinner meal. And we call it the Lord's Supper, appropriately. <clears throat> because that's what it was. It was the last meal that Jesus would celebrate, would enjoy, with his disciples together in one place. So they arrived there, and while they were reclining, verse 18 says, while they were reclining at the table and eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And we all know that that was Judas. Judas had the best pastor in the world. Judas had the best Bible study teacher, Sunday school teacher in the world. Jesus himself and yet he would be the one to betray his Lord verse 19 says of course their reaction is they were saddened and one by one said surely not I they didn't know their own hearts enough to know would it be me 
And Judas knew his heart well enough to know it was him. And in verse 20, Jesus says, It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. Now, I'm not sure if there were more than twelve there or not. If you've studied Acts chapter 1, you might remember that after Judas committed suicide and was out of the group, there were only eleven and they held an election to see which one of two men would fill the spot that Judas had so that they would be a complete group of 12 again. And one of the requirements of that was that it is somebody who had been with Jesus the whole time. So while there were 12 close disciples, apostles of Jesus, there were other groupies that hung around because they wanted to be there. They weren't part of the three closest inner circle they weren't part of the 12 but they went with Jesus to be with Jesus so when he says here one of the 12 let's assume that there are more than 12 that are having dinner in the upper room with Jesus at that time Jesus and his disciples have been staying at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus out in Bethany and maybe they came in to have this meal with Jesus and his disciples Mary, Mary Magdalene, another one, plus the two men that are mentioned in Acts chapter 1. <clears throat> Matthias is one of them, the one that was elected to fill the place. There are more than 12 that are there. And Jesus says it's one of the 12. One who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. So Jesus sets the table. And tells one of the twelve. One who dips his bread into the cup. He'll be the one that betrays me. <clears throat> And Jesus instituted, if you will, what we call the Last Supper. Verse 22. While they were eating various things around, various foods around the table, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples saying, Take it, this is my body. Now, Anyone who studies the Bible for any length of time knows that all the scriptures in the Bible are there for us. But some are be, to be interpreted figuratively and some literally. And we know that when Jesus said this, he was speaking figuratively. You'll celebrate this with the bread and the cup. <clears throat> Because it's something that's symbolic of the sacrifice I am making on your behalf. So, this is my body. Take it. Verse 23, he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant. Again, symbolically, this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many. I tell you the truth, I'll not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. Jesus has instituted what we call now the Last Supper. Because it was the Last Supper he would have with his disciples 
but it was not the Passover meal. The Passover meal would be following this event. <clears throat> All of this is to say that this is something that we celebrate ourselves in remembrance of our disciple, our, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Do this in remembrance of me, he said. Do this because of me. When we partake of the bread and we partake of the cup, we do so in remembrance of Christ. That's the only reason we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And our celebration with the elements is, like I said, figurative, not literal. This is not literally the body. This is not literally the blood of Christ. But it represents it. Jesus instituted this so that his disciples would have a reason, an occasion to gather <clears throat> and to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. The sacrifice was to eradicate, erase, forgive the sins of his people. Every one of us. That's why he died on the cross. So that our sins would be forgiven. As I mentioned earlier in John chapter 19, verse 31, <clears throat> when Jesus died on the cross, it was the day of preparation. All through Jerusalem on that day, wives and family members would be gathering, sacrificing that lamb, getting ready to lock themselves away for the night, getting ready to have that meal. In remembrance of what God did back in Egypt thousands of years earlier. <clears throat> the first Passover was done so that God could forgive his people and let them go. Let them be free. Jesus' sacrifice is the same thing. The death of the lamb and the sprinkling of the blood and the passing that night of the death angel <clears throat> was so that Egypt would say, be gone, you're out. God would free his people from the enslavement of Egypt for over 400 years. Christ's death on the cross accomplishes the same thing. It frees his people, you and me, from the sin in our lives. <clears throat> So that God could declare us righteous before him. And accept us into heaven. When that day comes. Now. In Exodus. It was the literal. Blood. That saved the family. The nation of Israel. In their homes that night. For us today. It is the literal I mean the figurative rather. It is the figurative saving that we experience. In a few minutes, we're going to share the Lord's Supper together. <clears throat> we have our elements over here on the table. You're going to have the opportunity to examine yourself, as Paul said to do in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. To examine yourself. Confess your sin to the Lord. Let him forgive you. 
so that you will participate in the Lord's Supper in a manner that is worthy to quote Paul. We do it freely. Nobody's going to pass the elements. As you prepare yourself and feel prepared, then we ask you to come up, take, dip, eat, return to your seat. It's a holy moment, really, because we're doing it in remembrance of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Acknowledging that his death on the cross, his shed blood, has cleansed us from sin. We do it to remember him and to say, thank you, Lord, for however many years we've been in service as believers in Christ to say, thank you, Lord, for what you did in my life to save me and to give me that new life in Christ. Pray with me. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today acknowledging our lives, the sin in our lives. Some are sins of commission, things that we've done. Some are sins of omission, things that we have not done that we know we should do as followers and believers of you and you alone. We come, Heavenly Father, to take a piece of bread, representation of the body of Christ which hung on the cross, the body of Christ which suffered greatly at the whip that suffered the nails and we dip it into the juice that represents your shed blood that eradicated our sins cleansed us from our sins and gave us a new life in Christ we thank you for that We thank you that we can honor him with a simple act of remembrance. Accept the offering of our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise band is going to come up. They'll be ready to help in a few minutes in leading us in music. You examine yourself. The elements are here. They've been uncovered. They're ready for you to share. We have a wafer here representing the bread. We have the juice here representing the blood of Christ. Partake as the Lord leads you now. 